as we prepare ourselves to receive the Lord's Supper, I just want to remind you and, and let the Word remind all of us of how important this is. There's much that could be said about that. Uh, for this morning, we're just going to focus on one aspect of why it's important, and that's the idea of unity. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17, just two verses this week. Before we do that, though, let's pray together. Would you bow with me? Father, we're about to receive your word, and as always, we need your help. We need you to give us soft hearts, eyes that see and ears that hear. We need your Holy Spirit to do his work among us and in us. And please press upon us the glories behind what we're doing. Please renew our faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior. And may we be united because of that. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read the two verses. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17. As you're making sure you're there, just a reminder, this 1 Corinthians is a book that we're returning to during the summers. Uh, this is ahead of where we're at in the progress of the book. But this is the passage I sort of prayed my way to this morning. So the letter, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a really unruly church. They had a lot of issues. Part of what he was addressing was uh, their confusion about food sacrifice to idols. That's where this comes in. It's in that context. That may seem weird to you. That requires a lot of explanation that we won't do today. But he does get into how that church participated in the Lord's Supper. And the way they did it was, it was inappropriate. And they did it in an unworthy manner. And it was a really serious matter. And uh, this is sort of his first beginning to address that topic. So let's receive these two verses. He writes, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. The first thing I want us to look at is the idea of participation. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a a participation in the body of Christ. The idea here is that the cup is more than drink and the bread is more than a bite to eat. It is somehow a participation in the very blood and body, the death of Jesus Christ. It somehow connects us to Jesus' death on our behalf on the cross. We're not just remembering a historical event. We're somehow connecting to it, refreshing our connection to it. We're participating in it somehow. We're renewing and strengthening our faith in it. Now, I want to leap over to another passage that won't be projected. I'd like for you just to listen to it. It's Romans chapter 6. I feel like Romans chapter 6 elaborates on what Paul just briefly mentions here. I just want you to listen 
to this passage of Romans 6. He writes in Romans 6, starting at verse 3, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God and Christ Jesus. So that's a lot to take in, but you get the sense that Jesus' death for the Christian isn't just Jesus' death, it's the Christian's death. That somehow we are so connected to his death and resurrection that it becomes our death and resurrection. As Jesus died on the cross, there's a sense in which we who receive his payment for our sins also die on the cross. We die to our old selves. We die to the sin that once enslaved us. We die to our old way of life, and just as he was raised from the dead, we are, in some sense, raised from the dead. And we now can walk in newness of life. So what we do when we partake of these elements is not just commemorate a a historic event, but we remember our very real connection to that death. That in some way, it is also us. It's our death and our resurrection as we're connected with Jesus Christ. So I just want to remind you of some things that you, you who have been in church, you know to be true. So God created everything good and perfect. But he allowed freedom, freedom of choice and free will. And through that, Adam and Eve sinned. The sin entered the world and it infected and ruined everything. And so we were each born with this sin disease and we were born that way. We were born into it. We were born leaning away from God and toward ourselves and toward the world. We were born naturally prone to sinning rather than worshiping. And all of our sin makes us incompatible with the holy God. And so we live our lives spiritually dead apart from the living God and hopeless, except for that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live the perfect life that we failed to live and to die the death on the cross that we've earned and deserved for our sin so that we who would receive that death, receive that sacrifice on our behalf, could be forgiven of our sins and cleaned up so that we're now considered holy and can be with the holy God, pardoned so that justice has been served and we are now eligible to be citizens in the kingdom of God, adopted as God's children. And this is the good news. This is Christianity. And so as we prepare for the table, I just want to remind you, Jesus died for you. And in Jesus Christ is all the stability and security and acceptance that you will ever need. All the reasons for peace and joy that you will ever need in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You have it. You have it all through Jesus Christ.
Jesus gave us this as a regular reorientation because we're forever being dragged away from centering our life on this glorious, amazing fact that we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We're always drifting away from it. And we partake of communion, the Lord's Supper, regularly as a way of getting back to the basic fact that we are reconciled to God. Whatever else is wrong in your life, through Jesus Christ, you're reconciled to God. Your biggest problem has been solved. Whatever else is going on. I think about it in terms of being at the beach. And I remember when I was a kid, and now I see it with my kids. You know, you have your beach umbrellas set up at a certain spot, and your blanket and your cooler and everything. And then the kids and whoever wants to go out into the ocean goes out, and they're supposed to stay basically in front of that spot so the parents can keep an eye on them. But the current is always moving them down the shore, down the coast. And so when you're sitting there at the umbrellas, you can see it. And you're like, oh, what are they doing way down there? I told them to stay right in front of the umbrella. But I remember being a kid. I remember being out there, and you don't realize what's happening. Every time you take your feet off the ground, the current is pulling you away. And so you think you're in front of the umbrellas. And then you look up, and the umbrellas are a mile over that way. And you had no idea. We're all living in this current away from Jesus Christ. Communion is a regular time for us to look back and see the umbrellas and realize if we've drifted away. And so perhaps maybe some of you have drifted away. Maybe some of you are trying to find security in something other than your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You've drifted away. Maybe some of you are trying to find fulfillment in your life through something other than your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Maybe it's your job or your family or your looks or something. And you've drifted away, and this is, you need to come back. Whatever it may be, we're always getting pulled away. And so we have this regular participation in the blood and body of Jesus Christ. This regular reconnection, refocusing of our faith. Renewal, strengthening of our faith in Jesus Christ. And this unites us. And this is really the main point of the sermon this morning. Verse 17. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. We all partake of the one bread. Because there's one bread, because there's one source of our salvation, because there's one Jesus Christ sacrificed for us, because there's one avenue through which we can be reconciled to God and be made right again, we who are many are one. And this is central to what it means to be a Christian, to be part of the church. Many made one through a united faith and allegiance to Jesus Christ. Many becoming one. This is so important. Jesus taught that this is the identifying mark of the church, how you love each other. And what makes it spectacular and noticeable is because it's a ragtag group of people that otherwise wouldn't be united in love. But through the one bread, through the one Jesus Christ, many become one. Christ unites what otherwise would be divided. Christ unites what otherwise would be divided. Now, I've thought of an image that might help us picture this. So picture an ocean. Okay, use your imagination here. Picture an ocean, just an expansive, huge ocean. There's no land in sight. And dotted all across this ocean are boats and ships. 
There's thousands of them. And they're all different from each other. Some of them are big. Some of them are little. Some of them are made of steel. Some of them are made of wood. Some look like a battleship. Some look like a rubber raft. Thousands of these ships in this ocean expanse. And they're all trying to get from one side of the ocean to the other. Now, on each of these ships is a label. On one ship, it's labeled educated. All the people on that ship are PhDs and college professors and uh, avid readers and authors, and they've got their pocket protectors and their eyeglasses and their reading glasses and their stacks of books, and they're all on that ship. And then there's another ship labeled uneducated. On that ship, all the people, for various reasons, don't really have much of an education. Many of the people on that ship are folks that just grew up in countries with no educational infrastructure whatsoever and never had the opportunity. On that ship are people that just dropped out of high school because they they got pregnant out of wedlock and needed to work, or uh, they just made some bad decisions that made it uh, not doable for them. They're all on that boat. Then there's another ship that comes by, and it's labeled conservative. And you hear Rush Limbaugh blaring from the speakers. And then there's another ship going by that's labeled liberal. And then there's a ship going by that's labeled beautiful, and all the beautiful people are on that ship. And there's a ship going by that's labeled ugly, and all the ugly people are on that ship. There's a ship going by that's labeled Americans. It's full of Americans. And then there's one going by labeled uh, Africans. One going by labeled Germans. All these different ships labeled with the people united by whatever that label is on those ships. There's one going by labeled teenagers. There's pizza just overflowing into the ocean. And there's one going by labeled senior adults. And there's another one going by young adults. There's one going by labeled singles. Another one going by labeled married. Another one going by labeled divorced. And all these boats are full of these people by these labels. The problem is, as all these ships are trying to get from one side of the ocean to the other, they were all manufactured by the same company. And they all have the same manufacturer's defect. They don't hold water. And so at different rates, as they're going across the ocean, they're taking on water and they're slowly sinking. Okay, so you've got this scene in your mind now. Now picture another boat, unlike any of these, comes through the center. And it's white and gleaming. And it's the one ship in the ocean that was not manufactured at this faulty manufacturer. This boat's labeled Jesus Christ. And as it goes through, individuals on all these little boats start to see that the water's getting up to here and they see this other boat and they, they realize what's happening. Their boat, their ship is sinking. And so they, one by one, from all these different, different boats, abandon ship and swim toward the ship labeled Jesus Christ. And they're thrilled to find that the Jesus Christ ship gladly welcomes anyone who would abandon their former ship and swim to it for salvation. And so they're all getting welcomed aboard one by one. The Jesus Christ ship is getting filled up And it's getting filled up with this amazing diversity of people, educated people, uneducated people, people from the teenager boat, people from the conservative boat, people from the liberal boat, people from the African boat. They're all joining together on this ship called Jesus Christ. And what unites them is no longer what used to unite them with people. The one thing that unites them, the only explanation for how they're all together is Jesus Christ. Their shared source of salvation. That's sort of the picture of what Jesus is doing in the church. He's not 
He's not improving different affiliate groups that were already together. He's drawing together a people. And if you read through the scripture, you see it repeated. He's drawing together a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Glorifying himself in the diversity that he unites through Jesus Christ. And this is central to what the church is supposed to look like. So we come to the Lord's table regularly, repeatedly. It's almost like a a medical physical. And we come to to examine ourselves. And in light of these two verses, I just want to press on you two, two questions. The first one we ask pretty much every time we come to the Lord's table. Am I trusting in Jesus Christ as my Savior? Am I, am I a participant in his blood and body, in his death? Have I received salvation through Jesus Christ? The second question we don't ask every time, but perhaps we should. Am I divided from any other Christian? Do I have any fractured relationships with any Christians? Participation in the blood and body of Christ necessitates unity in the body of Christ. Because there's one bread, we who are many are one body. And just like it causes you extreme pain if one part of your body gets fractured, dislocated from other parts of your body, that's the way it is in the body of Christ. Division doesn't belong in the body of Christ. So I just, I feel like I have to muster all the seriousness I can Are you separated from any other brother or sister in Christ? It might be somebody in your family. It might be somebody in this church. It might be somebody in another church. It might be somebody from your past. I don't think we should receive the Lord's Supper if we know that there's some relationship with some brother or sister in Christ that we are divided and there's something we can do to seek reconciliation. I think it is centrally important that we seek to maintain the bond of unity in Christ. So I think we should pray. Pray together, and we'll receive the Lord's Supper. Try to just be honest with the Lord. If there is some, some relationship that maybe is so complicated and difficult that you just don't even know for sure if you need to do something or not. That's a legitimate place to be. Because relationships can become so complicated. Uh, but pray through it honestly with the Lord. And, um, you know, we're all in this together. We'll pray through this together. And whatever the Lord wills, that's what we want to happen. You know, as a church, as a denomination, as individual Christians, he'll guide us. And he'll give us the strength and wisdom we need. So let's pray together, and then we'll receive the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you for Jesus. None of us deserve to be saved like this. So just help us. Unite us in the humility of the saved. Give us wisdom about our relationships. Let us ask again that you would bring crystal clarity if there are any fractured relationships in the body that that we as a church, we as individuals need to address before we can with a clear conscience before you receive the cup and the bread. Just make it clear. Let us not be afraid or anxious about it. 
Or may your gospel, may the grace of Jesus Christ just filter into every corner of our hearts. May we just feel our acceptance with you, your love for us, your fatherly care and affection for us. And may we just be abounding with that same love and affection and grace and mercy for those in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.